Good morning. Really good to see you here this morning. We're in the second week of our series called The Proven Playbook, and we've been running this playbook here uh, at church since we began over 31 years ago. Uh, every successful team relies on uh, plays, uh, tried and true plays, proven plays. And ours, our playbook's found in the Bible. That's the play, the, the plays that we run are based on that. Last week I mentioned how we need to, as you begin to follow Christ, there's this lifelong project that God begins to do in us to help us learn to take on His character and His ways in life and uh, we talked about how basically we need to put off the old ways and put on the new ways. And it's compared to changing clothes for our purposes in this series. It's like changing uniforms. We have to learn how to wear a new uniform. Uh, hey, this has been a good year for LA uh, NFL teams. Uh, we had two playoff teams as of last week. Now only one, but we're we're like one game away from the Super Bowl with the Rams, and the Rams play the Saints today. Interesting, isn't it? They play the Saints today, and uh, a, a jersey is what identifies one team from another. On the field, uh, as you watch today, if you do watch, uh, you'll know that this is a Ram uh, by the uniform they're wearing. When you see guys on the field with that uniform, hey, they're the Rams, when you see this one, they're a saint. Um, when, when we decide to follow Christ, as I said, we're instructed to put on a new uniform. We're really commanded to learn a whole new playbook. It's, it's a lifelong process. And we're commanded, as I said, to put off the old ways, put on the new ways, and once a person decides to follow Christ, the, what you see in the Bible, what happens is once you decide to follow Christ, you become a saint. That's what it says, but not from New Orleans. <laughs> not a New Orleans saint. Um, saint is an interesting word. It actually means holy one. And when you decide to follow Christ... He changes you from the inside and you become holy, but not because of your own deeds, not because of your own works. It's because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He, he paid for our sins to forgive and to cleanse us. And so we, we get a new title, which is saint. And then we, we, you know, spend our lives learning to cooperate with God so that we can begin to actually grow toward holiness. A holy, holy is something set apart. There's, there's this moral purity aspect of holiness. And there's this idea that, uh, we're, you're set apart. Something holy is set apart for, uh, a purpose. And in our instance, for God's purpose. So we begin to live an entirely different life, 
Lord willing, if we'll cooperate with God to live it. And in the Bible, the uniform a Christ follower is commanded to wear is, um, it consists of the character traits, the values, and uh, the attitudes of Jesus Christ. So we begin to try to be more and more like him. Uh, as I said, the plays that we run here and that I'm talking about in this series, they're proven. They aren't gimmick plays. They aren't trick plays. They're proven plays. Um, they're basically summaries of the core New Testament commands that even the earliest Christians practiced in their relationships. Play number two that we're looking at today is crucial for trust to grow in relationships. Trust is a core ingredient of long-term, enjoyable relationships that benefit everybody relating in the moment and trust allows a team or a family or a work group or a circle of friends or a church body like ours. It allows us to keep moving forward towards success. When trust is violated, progress stalls while people regroup and evaluate what just happened. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real problem. Um, if you're a sports fan, all you can see is the image of the athlete that they allow you to see. Basically, you see them on the field. You see what they can do there. Um, you hear them maybe in interviews if they're one of the better players. They had a good game. They get interviewed. And we assume the best about their private lives, or at least I used to when I was a kid. I assume the best about them. But occasionally, an athlete uh, is not what they appear on the surface, and they get caught using a banned substance. They don't do this in the open. They do it in the dark because it's cheating. And when it comes out into the open, it hurts the player and their team when light is shed on it. Many players get caught taking pets, performance-enhancing drugs, and when they're caught, it hurts. Uh, here's an article I read this week. And it talks about all the, there's a list of NFL players that were suspended at the start of the season, and the article is describing the impact on their team. This is how it is. When, when things go on in the dark, then the whole family, the whole church body, the whole work group is hurt by the impact of that action. Um, years ago, a handful of baseball power hitters came under scrutiny. Many were caught up in doping scandals. Uh, I, I don't even know who the real home run king is anymore. I mean, how do you, how do you, it just calls the whole baseball game into a question. I, what's that? We see this problem. In the Olympics and most professional sports, uh, this is a real problem. But no story rocked the sports world and captured 
media attention like Lance Armstrong. Uh, he, he began doping in the 90s through the early 2000s while he was uh, involved in cyclings, uh, Tour de France. He won seven Tour de France titles. And in an uh, in, in interview with Oprah, he confessed to the world finally. He denied it at the beginning, which is typical human response. And this is this is a very sad interview, but I want you to get I want you to get a feel for what happens, uh, how how things are damaged by uh, deception. Really, let's listen to this and watch this. So let's start with the questions that people around the world have been waiting for you to answer. And for now, I just like a yes or no. Okay. Okay. This whole conversation, we have a lot of time, will be about the details. Yes or no, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. Yes or no, was one of those banned substances EPO? Yes. Did you ever blood dope or use blood transfusions to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. Did you ever use any other banned substances like testosterone, uh, cortisone, or human growth hormone? Yes. Yes or no? In all seven of your Tour de France victories, did you ever take banned substances or blood dope? Yes. It's really very sad. Uh, when he confessed, he was stripped of all those titles. Uh, he was banned from all professional sports, and it basically destroyed everything he had worked for. And this, this is what happens. I don't bring this up to rejoice in this moment uh, with, with Lance Armstrong or because he, he had this moment, but it called the whole integrity of the sport of cycling into question. It called the United States cycling program into question. This is what what happens when something that's been hidden, some kind of deception, comes to light. It it really damages everything that person is connected to. Uh, there's been an outbreak of this kind of cheating in sports, and every time this happens in a sport, fans are shocked. They feel deceived. They're disappointed. And it's tragic because... Trust is the bedrock of all relationships. It's essential for teams. It's essential for families, co-workers, among friends, here in church life. Trust is crucial. And it's the key to a good reputation and respect. So it's, it's really important. So... This second practice, this play that we're looking at today, is critical here for us as a church. We, we don't do it perfectly, but here it is. Play number two is to use discretion, not deception, in the way we relate to one another. After Jesus rose from the dead uh, and uh, the first churches were formed, Paul uh, was a major church leader who started many of those churches, in the first century, he, he talked in Ephesians, a book written to a church he had started. He talked in Ephesians about the importance of speaking the truth. 
And right before the passage I'm going to read, he's, he's talking about how uh, God has put the church together to uh, cause growth in the church. And the, the leaders are to equip the, the members of the church. And then the goal of the equipping is uh, so that we'd grow to maturity in Christ. And so he's talking about this, and this is, this is what he says. He says, when we grow to mature manhood, to maturity in Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, don't, don't get into that. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. So you see here how important speaking the truth in love is. It's, it's actually the way this is written in the original Greek that it was written in. It's, it's really speak, live, and act the truth. So it's, it's really live the truth is what it's saying. Have the, have the outside that people see match the inside of what's going on here. In the church community among leaders and members, there must be a commitment to speaking the truth. This is how we grow. This is, this is how it happens. The Bible says it's not optional because we're connected like a body. We, when, when we don't speak and live the truth, one of us, everybody else is impacted by that. So here we make this commitment to one another here at Church in the Valley. And this practice has been a real source of help as we live it as we speak the truth and as we live the truth. You see the phrase, in all things grow up. If you're a Christ follower, think about the growth you've experienced. There's a connection to your growth and to being known by others. If if you come to Christ here at Church of the Valley, there's a connection between your your growth and being known here at church in the valley now we we all try to wear name tags and um, it's the first step of being known i'm trying to give some context to the name tag thing <laughs> um, it's it's a simple thing but it's a way to begin to get known by others here uh, i know some of us want to be anonymous and don't wear a name tag, frankly, that's okay. I'm not picking on you because you're not wearing a name tag. It's it's a matter of trust. I, I, I hope we earn your trust so you'll be com- comfortable either wearing a name tag or taking steps, other steps that you can take to be known here. Um, anyway, my point is there are limitations to spiritual growth if you aren't known in a church body either here or somewhere, uh, where you can be known, where you can be encouraged. Much like a team, the church community can't fulfill its purpose if we don't really know each other. Paul goes on to describe later on in Ephesians 4, the early church as a body. He says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, 
for we are all members of one body. We're all connected. You can see in this passage that truth is a part of a Christ follower's uniform because we saw last week I talked about the things we're to put off, the things we're to put on, and that's God helps us do that. The Holy Spirit helps us with this. He reminds us. He shows us what we need to put off and what we need to put on. But it's our choice. Every day we get up and we decide which uniform we're going to wear that day. Are we going to wear the old one or are we going to wear the new one? And it's our choice. We have to keep putting off falsehood in order to wear the uniform. Um, there's a saying I've heard often, fool me once. Shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Uh, I say no, shame on you both times. <laughs> That's what I say. I'm, you're, you're only hurting yourself by trying to deceive. You're only damaging your own, your own person and the groups, the family, the the groups that you're connected to, there's this sense, I think that statement comes from this desire to protect yourself and look like a, a fool. But really, deception only hurts the people who deceive and the people they're connected to. It's shame on you both times. Anytime we're in a circle of people we relate to and someone speaks falsehood, shame on them. That's what I say. <laughs> in the Bible, the imagery used for truth and deception is most often light and darkness. Because when you're deceiving, you're operating in the dark. It's, it's a test of whether we're walking the way Jesus wants or not. That's what you find in 1 John. John was one of the closest followers of Christ while he was alive here on earth. And he wrote this in, in a, a letter to the early churches. First John 1, <clears throat> 6 through 7 says, If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. A major goal in following Christ is to walk in the light, to live an honest and open life before others so we can build trust, so that we can work toward our mission here in church life together and help each other. major motivator to walk in the light is our relationship with God. Back up a couple verses. 1 John 1, 5 says, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. The motivator is that God sees everything that's going on. Nothing is hidden from him. Daniel is one of the prophets in the Old Testament. It's a great book. You ought to read it one time, sometime uh, if you haven't. But he's one of the prophets in the Old Testament, and God used the prophets to lead out and to speak out uh to speak truth, really, to both the people of God and the world around them. He was a teenager when uh, Babylon, 
bunch of barbarians, literally, not on like on the movies. You know, Conan was a barbarian, but uh, these guys were really despicable people. But they conquered the nation of Israel, and they exiled certain people to Babylon. Daniel was a teenager when he and three friends were among those who were exiled to Babylon after Israel was conquered. And the most capable young men served in the court of the Babylonian ruler, Darius at the time. At one point, the ruler had a troubling dream, and he went to his guys, his wise men, and asked for an interpretation. They couldn't figure it out. And so Daniel heard about this. He asked God for help. God reveals the interpretation of the dream. He, he interprets it for the, the ruler. It makes sense. And then Daniel, kind of that, that kind of bumped his standing up. He's a very sharp guy, one of the leading guys uh, in, among his people. And in Daniel's praise and thanks to God for helping him interpret this dream, This is what he says about God. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. God is all-knowing. Nothing is hidden from his eyes. He literally sees in the dark. This is what motivates Christ followers, to live the truth. God sees through the darkness into everything that's going on in our lives. Now, it's a reassuring thought uh, when we're in the dark in our circumstances of life. Um, God sees all that's going on. He promises to help. He promises to be with us if we'll turn to him. But it's a scary thought if you're trying to sneak around. (laughs) Uh, We never fool God. He cannot be fooled. He sees what's going on. So I'd like to look at some of the damage that's done by deception. If we don't speak the truth to others, whatever community or team we're a part of gets hurt. And like a boomerang, we get hurt because lying backfires on us. It, it, It hurts us. So first and foremost, first thing that happens, the damage done, is trust erodes. It's probably the crucial, the the worst thing that happens. Trust is the bedrock of all relationships. Without trust, friendships and family relationships are plastic, and there's no foundation to build on. Here's a related meme. Tell a lie once, all your truths become questionable. <laughs> that is the truth. Just tell once, people don't know if they can trust you. I'd like to share another clip of Lance Armstrong's confession. This time he's talking about the need to confess to his 13-year-old son. Let's listen in. Uh, when this all really uh, started, I saw my son defending me and saying, Uh, that's not true. What you're saying about my dad is not true. 
And it almost goes to this question of why now? You know, he can't. That's when I knew I had to tell him. And he'd never asked me. He'd never said, Dad, is this true? He trusted me. Mm-hmm. And I heard about it in the hallways. That's chilling. That I agonize with him because I've been in spots where I've deceived. <laughs> I've had to come clean. That's, that's, that's horrible. I share that with you to show how the deception impacts the people you're connected to. It impacts your family. It impacts. We should think about this before we tell the lie, before we operate in the dark. We should think about how it's going to, we should think about that moment when you have to confess to your 13-year-old son. I've cheated. I mean, all of my, all of my wins are a sham. That's, that's horrible. That's a horrible moment in his life. And I, I hope that Lance Armstrong has rebuilt trust over the years since this came out. Uh, trust can be rebuilt over time. Bible says it's built through love and faithfulness. Love, a love that is uh, looks out for the best interests of the other person, which is the play we talked about last week. <laughs> that's what love is. It's what Jesus did, and that's what love is. Uh, and faithfulness, reliability. It, the faithfulness, the word in uh, this this comes from Proverbs in the Old Testament. The word faithfulness in uh, the Hebrew that it was originally written in carries the idea of uh, integrity. There's this reliability, this integrity. You say something and you're going to do it. Trust can be rebuilt, but what a waste of time. In the lives of the people who deceive, it takes their toll. And it, it can waste years in relationships. Another way deception damages is that we're not coordinated. In a family, a work environment here at church, on a team, in a group here at church, in a circle of friends, you, you can't work well together if you're operating in the dark. You can't, you just can't coordinate the effort. It's impossible to coordinate the effort because all of the factors in the situation aren't known. We can't see them. Some things are in the dark. Another way deception damages is no one can help. If, if I don't really know what's going on with you, I can't help you because I don't know what's going on with you. Uh, not telling the truth, here's, a, here's a, another meme. Not telling the truth is the quickest way to turn yourself into a stranger. 
living an honest and open life for others is another core relational value at Church of the Valley. It's a part of our church covenant. It's what we commit to work toward. We don't do it perfectly, but it's what we work toward uh, when we commit to membership here at Church of the Valley. The place we're introducing in this series, they aren't coincidental. They're intentional actions that have created healthy relationships for the most part here in Church in the Valley for the last 31 years. We call them hard attitudes. And they are the core of our playbook here that we run relationally. There are seven practices in all, and we're walking through these in these, this series. Uh, people who not only practice these attitudes in church life, but go beyond to live them in family life, at work, in friendships. They grow enjoyable, helpful relationships. Here at Church of Valley, hard attitude number two is to live an honest and open life before others. When we say honest and open, or open and honest, we, we aren't saying we need to be completely transparent. That would be TMI. Okay, too much information. <laughs> That's not what we're saying. Um, but what we're saying is we want to be reasonably honest on the outside about what's going on on the inside. Because if others know, they can pray for you. They can encourage you. They can challenge you if you need it. But if not, no one can help. It just, they, they're, it's, in, it's all in the dark. There's no help to be given. Discretion is needed. We don't want to gush and just spill everything that's going on with us. Discretion is important, but we aim for people to see the outside that matches the inside of what's actually going on. Working on these things together as, as a team here in church life is a great encouragement, and the impact of it spills over and benefits us in every circle where we relate. Uh, basically, we're learning to wear a new uniform together. You know, we'll wear it all the time in heaven, but in between now and then, we're learning to put it on. We have to choose that every day. We have to decide. So we're working on understanding the whole new playbook that we're running, and we're trying to put it on every day as we relate to others. When a person decides to follow Christ, like I said, they join a new team, Jesus' team. Uh, and being a part of a local body, a local church community, is essential to learning the playbook and putting on the new uniform of his team. There's no way we can learn uh, this without being connected to a church community in the way that we really need to. Um, so, so far we've looked at two plays, last week and this week. These are what we practice running here. Here's some replays. Uh, play number one, put the goal and interest, goals and interests of others above my own. Jesus did this for us, and he leads his followers to do the same. And today we've looked at live an honest and open life before others. As I wrap up, I'd like to share another video testimony with you that 
shows how we encourage each other in these things here. And what I've done is I've asked several leaders of our groups this spring to share examples of how they've been encouraged in these. Here's a short video from Tracy Albright. Her husband, Jace, is leading a group in Ontario uh, on Wednesday nights at 7. Let's watch this together. Heart attitude number two is live an honest and open life before others. When I first started coming to Church in the Valley about 16 years ago, I really noticed how honest people were with me um, and how open they were about the struggles that they were having, what was going on in their lives, asking for prayer, asking for advice. This really encouraged me to do the same. Um, one reason that it encouraged me is that I realized that I'm not the only person that struggles with things or has questions or has you know difficulties in relating to people or making decisions. Other people had the same struggles, <laughs> and this encouraged me that I'm not alone. Um, it also encouraged me that I don't have to pretend that things are going well or that I've got it all together. I didn't have to do that because as other people were open with me and I was open with them, we still cared about each other. We still loved each other. And actually, it allowed other people to know how they could serve me and um, pray for me and encourage me. Um, and so I've noticed that also in my own relationships, in my own areas of ministry, that as I've been more open and honest, that has encouraged other people to be more open and honest with me as well. And so I think in relationships, in just showing kindness and love towards other, others, others, um, openness and honesty has been very important. <laughs>